This is Keyshawn Rains, the host of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains, where amazing things happen. A series of past the collection plate style conversations with a Creole, queer, femme, yogi, mom, coach, author, and of course, podcast host with a nomadic soul, a quirky sense of humor, and an activator of empowerment. These conversations are just a chance for me to speak on ways to be mindful in a mindless world. Stories are shared, folks are empowered, inspired, and impacted to be more phenomenal versions of themselves through simple conversations about complex like love, life, and the pursuit of being real. Thanks for listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome. (laughs) I'm going to start by giving you the microphone, letting you introduce yourself. Then we're going to move into a couple questions that I have. Then at the end of the conversation, I like to switch it up and do a little exercise, which is just a little bit more personal, getting to know you. And then I like to close it out with some gratitude. And then we're all set. Well, my name is Christina Mills. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm originally from California. Um, I practice and teach Ashtanga yoga. I've done that for a few few years now. Um, I practice just about six days a week. Um, And really, I just stand for, you know, people living a good and happy life in the best way that they can. I think there's a lot of constraints nowadays. Um, It's really obvious with the quarantine. Um, But even without it, you know, I feel like I've experienced it. I think a lot of people who've come to yoga for whatever reason, found that they weren't happy or something in their life was a little bit off. So really, I had a a political fellowship in Oregon right after college. And, you know, I I realized I had such a transformational kind of experience there. I had met so many different types Mm. of people that I hadn't met before. And Um, (laughs) no, I asked, I I spent about a year and a half living in the Washington, D.C. area in the last two years. And I'm originally from Southern California as well. And I would say that the time that I spent in the South back in college, back in the day in North Carolina, and then spent some time in Dallas for a little while, the time that I spent in Washington, D.C. was definitely the most Afrocentric, Black-centric time that I'd ever experienced before from a social you know, perspective and even just a professional perspective. I loved just the, the richness of the culture that's so present there, which while I can appreciate the diversity of places like Los Angeles and other parts of the country, there is something unique about Atlanta as well. When I think of places where I see a lot of black folks thriving in a lot of different ways. So, so when you think about something that you do each day, uh, a ritual or a practice that you get your day started with, what does that look like for you? So for me, that looks like Ashtanga yoga. Um, it's what I do is a set sequence of postures mm-hmm. um, that we do literally six days a week. Um, as a woman, I don't practice when I'm on my cycle. So excluding those days, mm-hmm. that's pretty much how I start my day. Um, so I, I usually, and this has kind of disrupted my schedule because I actually go to my yoga studio to my teacher who I've been um, studying with for about three years now um, every morning. So it mm-hmm. usually starts off with something like coffee you know, go to the shala early. Um, sometimes I'm helping assist my teacher in the mornings with the beginners. Um, and then I get to practice. And so that's literally the best part of my day because I feel like, you know, it's early in the morning. It's an opportunity for me, even if I'm at the shala or at home, it actually doesn't matter because it's really a time for me to just kind of 
sit with myself, um, mm-hmm. really focus my mind, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. control, like kind of bring everything back. So like, you know, I feel like sometimes we'll say like, you need to get your mm-hmm. shit together because your shit is all over the place. You know what I'm saying? So this kind of time mm-hmm. in the morning is for me to just get my shit, put it together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, get my breathing together, get my focus, my mind mm-hmm. together, that chaotic energy that sometimes I wake up with. And then I feel like I'm mm-hmm. left with this kind of calm, focused energy mm-hmm. that I can actually do something with. <laughs> yeah. And when you're by yourself, I have practiced mm-hmm. at home, you know, on and off throughout the time I've done this, but it really does take a, a different level of mental focus to sit there and do your practice. And so I think mm-hmm. teaching, it makes it easier for me <laughs> because it's kind of part of my lifestyle at this point. But I really do feel for people because it, it's it's a challenge to get yourself, especially when you're at home and there's other things mm. happening around you. You know, If you have a partner or a spouse, if you have children, if you have roommates, if you have pets or, you know, anything like that, that it's, typically when you go to the right. shala or you go to the studio, that's the space where you get to leave all that other stuff behind. Whether you're going as a teacher or you're going as a student, it's still like your space. Even though it's shared by other people, they're all there typically with the same intention of getting away from whatever happens in the outside world and coming totally inward onto their mat, onto their practice. And I think that what I'm finding, because I talked to a couple other practitioners in the last 10 days and how we're modifying not only our teaching ability, you know, schedule and our teaching method or our way of connection, I should say, it's also causing us to modify our personal practice in a way that looks a little different for all of us. You know, I, like you, enjoy going to the studio um, that's near my house where I go practice and I can be with my community and I can just kind of absorb the energy and the vibe. And while I can do my absolute best to create that same thing at home, it's a little different when my partner's here all day and my son's home from college now and it's a full space. And it's like, how do I even find Mm -hmm. the time when I'm in a full space and how do I find the environment? How do I create that environment? And I know that's a question that's been coming up a lot. And um, DMs for me, I've been doing a couple lives throughout the last week, and I'm getting a lot of people asking, how do I not only sustain an existing yoga practice when I'm practicing social distancing or self-quarantine, but how do I begin a practice at home? How would you respond to something like that? You know what's funny? I literally was just teaching a friend like just now, um, some some poses from the primary series because it's kind of this stir crazy you know like what should we do like I need something else to do to get this energy out and so actually I think it actually can be not as challenging as we think to start a practice right now just because you know I feel like there's there's so many ways you can look at this time right it can be a time of like decrease and you know separation isolation but I feel like it's also a time of like refocusing you know Mm -hmm. we have this inward time to like start maybe a new project you know, or I really wanted to learn how to play this instrument and I have it and I haven't done it yet, you know, like, so I think that it's actually a really good time to start something new um, and to incorporate something that when you have that kind of inward focus, there's not really mm-hmm. as many distractions like work people and, you know, traffic people, um, you know, I think it can be a good time, especially for something like Ashtanga, mm. where you have a sequence of postures, you don't have to really think about it. So once you kind of have the sequence, you can just kind of add one pose at a time, 
okay, I did Uh the first five. Let me do six tomorrow. Let me do seven the next day. You know, can you tell us a little bit like in your own words, exactly what makes Ashtanga different from other schools of yoga and kind of what led you to that particular practice? Okay. So Ashtanga is a more traditional style of yoga. Um, It comes out of India, like all yoga does, but this style is, um, it's more, it's called Parampara, which is um, a method of transmitting information directly from teacher to student. So we really follow the lineage-based system. Um, So whenever you hear an Ashtanga teacher, they'll Mm -hmm. be like, my teacher was so-and-so and and their teacher was (laughs) so-and-so. So that's kind of how we do it. Um, It starts out with a chant and it's a chant that again is in Sanskrit. It's been passed down through the generations from my teacher's teacher's family. So they're a family of Brahmins in India um, who have this family chant. Um, And it's pretty much an asking of, it's a gratitude um, to God, gratitude for the practice and asking for enlightenment and for freedom from, um, from Mm -hmm. kind of the chaos of life in some ways is what we're asking for. So we start out with the prayer and we do the sequence. Um, And so the beauty of Ashtanga it's so there's so many levels to it, but one of them is simply that it's a memorized sequence that we repeat over and over again. So the benefit of that mm-hmm. is simply that uh, what we call self-study, because you're kind of doing the same repetitive things day after day after day. And for some people like me, it could be year mm-hmm. after year after year. And for people like my teacher, it's like decade after decade, you know, over time, you really learn a lot about yourself because it's the exact same thing. The practice doesn't change, but you change. And so you kind of really start to observe um, your, your thoughts, your mind, your responses, you know, oh, it just so mm. happens that every time I bind, I start breathing faster. Or it just so happens that every time I do a backbend, I want to throw up. What's that about? And I think the beauty of Ashtanga, because it's so repetitive, mm. it starts to give you insight into yourself. Um, that I really like and then the other part of it is because Mm -hmm. we work closely with a teacher for those of us who are fortunate to have a teacher um, there's a lot of physical adjusting so let's say I can't quite get into a bind or I can't quite do a back bend or drop back from standing to the floor I have my teacher there who can kind Mm -hmm. of take me that extra step farther than what I could go and so there's a lot of physical moving into postures and there's a lot of trust I think that you build with that teacher because Mm -hmm. um you know, because we're in kind of a precarious situation and you have to put a lot of trust in that person. So especially now in this particular time that we're in where people are spending more time at home or people are just also becoming more aware of some of the health and wellness practices that are available to them that they may not have ever explored, that people might be a little more open to trying something different. And when it comes to Mm -hmm. yoga, it's such a broad spectrum includes so many different types of practice, so many different styles or schools of yoga that, um, you know, when I've been into, you know, walked into a new space or I've been asked to come and teach a yoga class, maybe by someone who's never actually taken a class with me before, you know, the first question that I get is like, how hard is your yoga? How difficult is your yoga? You know, how challenging is your yoga? And a lot of times I have to, you know, explain to the person and says, you know, every yoga is different. And my school of yoga and my yoga lineage is in Patanjali's yoga, which is Hatha yoga. And that's the the style that I was taught in. And my teachers, teachers, teachers follow that lineage, which while 
similar to Ashtanga, and I think all of yoga has similar roots, there are variations in the postures and the poses and the sequences and the flows. So they do allow for a little more flexibility. And that's what spoke to me. Ashtanga was part of my YTT. It was part of my training. And we spent three weeks with an Ashtanga um, teacher. And I was like, whoa, I don't know if I could do the same thing every day. <laughs> and that was, that was a challenge for me. And, um, but I also know oh, that gosh. depending on where I am in my life, Sometimes I will go back to that sequence. And, and that's typically when I'm in a space where I need to tap in a little bit more to my self-discipline and also to tap into like what you mentioned, seeing and asking myself why I steered away from it or why I had resistance to it and why Hatha felt more like me. And when I am approaching people or I'm asking or people are asking me about mm-hmm how difficult my yoga is a lot of times they'll tell me, well, I had this one class and you know, it was just, it was the same thing every time. And I just felt like it was going too fast. And I was like, it was probably an Ashtanga class in my mind is what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I love about this practice of yoga is that there is something for everyone. And, you know, we're not limited to one particular style. If you want to, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're like, hey, you know what? I've always been curious about that Ashtanga class and I want to jump in. What do you think, what would you say to a person who's walking into a class that you're teaching for the very first time and has some of these concerns or questions about, is it right for them? How do you approach those types of situations? You know, um, that's such a good question because I get it with Ashtanga all the time. People will look online mm-hmm. and find these like really advanced practitioners and then be like terrified and be like, Oh my God, is this what you guys do? And I'm like, that's what like a couple mm-hmm. of people do. Like the rest of us don't look like that. <laughs> um, but I think at least for me, I feel like Ashtanga really has been a practice mm. of like accepting myself and patience because a lot of the things that you see are really just take a long time to be able to do. And so when I bring in new beginners, I think the conversation really is just about like mm-hmm. enjoying the journey. And I used to really hate when people said that to me, but there really is not really much else to say about Ashtanga because I think it's, it really is just starting wherever you are and enjoying wherever you are and just kind of watching how you progress mm. because it's amazing. I think the amazing part of it is because it's so hard that... Mm when you make progress, it feels spectacular. You know, it feels amazing. So, I mean, when we have people come in at all ages, Mm. you know, some people, my mom just started Ashtanga and she's in her sixties. And so, you know, I remember when she used to be like, I don't know if I can do this, but then like those small wins when she does do it, when she does bind, when she can Mm -hmm. bring her foot forward Mm -hmm. and, you know, Virabhadrasana A from downward dog easily. That's a huge win, you know? And so I think Ashtanga, you know, it's challenging, but when you set people up with the right expectations and the right perspective that it's not a competition, that it's really about your personal journey. And then, especially as a teacher, kind of marking those landmarks and, and celebrating with the student, like every little win that they make, I feel like that's yeah. what makes Ashtanga exciting and accessible to everybody. What I like about Ashtanga is because of the repetitive sequencing, it does give you, the student, like a marker to kind of see like, wow, when I started this three months ago, this particular transition felt impossible to me. 
now when we go into this particular move, I feel a sense of confidence. I feel a little more secure. I feel like I might want to push my edge just a little bit. And so, like you said, it gives you as the instructor a chance to not only, not only notice as a student is progressing, but to celebrate and acknowledge them, which might not look quite the same way in a practice that has a lot of variation and a lot of change and a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, what do you call it? Variety is the word I'm looking for. And so what I like about Ashtanga is the, not only the discipline and maybe the, the complexity, cause I hate to say it's harder cause I really don't think that one yoga is harder than another yoga. As far as the asana practice is concerned, I think that they all have, you know, challenging positions, just like yin. The first time I took a yin class, I was like, holy shit, how long are we going to be in this lunge? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, how long? My legs are on fire. What am I going to do? I know. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Yes. But I was like, and I'm thinking, again, I was new. Uh, I was a new student and then, you know, new teacher. And I was in my, you know, my first YTT and I'm, you know, checking out a bunch of different classes and I signed up for a yin class and I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to, okay, yin, it's like slower than Hatha. Oh yeah, this is me all day. Went in there and was like, we have been in this pose for three minutes. I... Time for a break time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives, throughout our day, is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep, intentional breaths to enter and exit your body. And by the time you're done, we will be ready to continue. Thank you so much for listening. Had one complete different expectation than what I actually experienced. And I realized at that moment that there's so many different ways for me to approach my mat. There's so many different ways for me to be able to move my body. And there's so many different types of yoga. And I think it's just finding the time and allowing ourselves to be open enough to explore different pathways Mm -hmm. until we find the one that really fits for us is what I always encourage any new student or any person that wants to develop a home practice. It's like, there's so many things out there. You can try Ashtanga, you can try Yin, you can try Hatha, you can try just, you can try restorative yoga, you can try anything that feels good to you. Mm -hmm. And I find for me that I do I do enjoy practicing different types and also teaching different types. And so I find that I, when it comes to the yoga community, I know like my hardcore yogis that are like, all I do is Ashtanga. Nope. Don't do Hatha. Nope. Don't do Yin. Don't even do restorative. That's not my vibe. How would you describe yourself Mm -hmm. as a student? Do you tend to stay rooted in your Ashtanga practice or do you explore any others? Um, as of right now, I'm like 100% Ashtanga. I'm one of those people. It's super funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I, when I, a few years ago, I was a little bit more experimental, for sure. Mm-hmm. So there was a time when I was trying different studios and trying different mm-hmm. styles. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I had just started learning Ashtanga and was like, well, let me see mm-hmm. what this is about. Let me see what Iyengar is about. 
Um, but I think for me, I just really wanted to learn mm. it. You know, I think I, I found something that kind of I caught mm -hmm. the bug for. So I just was like, let me go all in. <laughs> so now it's just really rarely that maybe I'll take a mm -hmm. yin class, like a restorative mm -hmm. class, usually with a friend is what I'll do nowadays, or just kind of like pop into like a friend's class, mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of see yeah, how they teach. Yeah. That's kind of what it is right now. I've even been taking like animal flow, like animal Ooh. locomotion. I have a friend who teaches that. So I'll just kind of pop into random stuff. Okay, you know? that's cool. Now, let me, let me yeah. ask you to take us back to before yoga was a part of your life and what led you to this practice? Where, where did that journey begin? So it really began with, I was just having a hard time in my life. I was mm -hmm. about 30 and I had been in a car accident and I, like my job was stressing me out. Like there was just a lot of, I felt like chaos mm -hmm. happening in my life. And I started out doing meditation. I didn't even start with yoga. I had done yoga before, like on and off. But at the time I was like, I need to meditate. Like I just need to figure something out with my life. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. after a few months of that, I, um, I went online and found YouTube videos because I was working from home. I was pretty much like quarantined. You know, that was mm -hmm. my lifestyle mm -hmm. at the time, you know, which is working from home. And I was like, I could do these 20 minute videos every day because I was stressed out. Like in the middle of the day, I would literally take off running, not because I liked running, but because I was so stressed. I think like my flight was going <laughs> to like, run you know, down the mm -hmm. street in the middle of the day. And so I found these 20 minute Kino McGregor videos and was like, I can mm -hmm. do this. I can do this every day. And I did. And I did it for a couple of weeks mm -hmm. until it got kind of easier. And she had other videos talking about, you know, I teach Ashtanga yoga. These are some easy stuff that I'm teaching. But if you want to learn more, you should really find a yoga mm -hmm. teacher in your city. And I was like, oh, maybe I should. And so I went and researched the teachers and found the guy that I've been studying with for a mm -hmm. few years. His name is Todd Roderick. Um, and that's really how I got into it. I got totally hooked. Like I, I jumped in, started practicing 530 in the morning, six days. No, I, I was doing maybe four or five days a week when I started. Okay. But I mean, I was like one of those people that was like, I have to learn this now. Like, <laughs> I, so like, I hadn't even been to the scholar yet. And I was already mm -hmm. obsessed with the, with the practice from yeah. the little I had done at home, you know. Um, so I was just one of those nuts that kind of just was obsessed from the beginning from the beginning, from the beginning. <laughs> no I remember watching Kino McGregor yeah. on YouTube um you know back in the day as well and just being so like in awe like what is this woman's body made out of how is she right. making it do these really intricate and very like deep postures and poses but also just loved her her vibe and you know some of the things that she would talk about as well so that um I remember seeing yeah yeah no, I was saying, I remember seeing her and being like, wow, like she always looked like she was practicing in like really beautiful locations. And I was like, is, if this is what yoga is about, I want some of yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. And she looked like she was mm -hmm. kind of petite. Me too. Like I'm five two. So I was like, okay, she looks like, I don't know how tall she is, but she looks mm -hmm. like she's kind of petite, like my size, you know, I was like, okay, if this kind of petite right. woman can do this. There's a chance I can I do can this do too. This. Exactly. Exactly. And what's interesting yeah. is like, I love to ask yogis and practitioners what their like yoga journey looks like, because I feel like something that we all have in common is that yoga typically found its way into our lives at a time when we were in just 
craziness, chaos, you know, you know, chaotic from a workplace environment or a personal relationship or a loss or something. It's like, that's when yoga finds us. So as a teacher, do you find that same experience with your students? Like when they find yoga? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I feel like it takes a while for them to to find mm-hmm. out what it really mm-hmm. is that they came for. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like at first it, it's always kind of like a, and I mean, I'm like this too, right? At first you'll kind of say like, oh, well, I'm here because I just want to get in shape. Like I would tell people, <laughs> I just want to get hot for the summer, right? <laughs> when the real reason is like, I'm, I'm losing my mind. Out. But yeah. <laughs> I wasn't really saying that. <laughs> right. And so I think, you know, yeah, you can kind of tell with a lot of people that it's it's some type of like stress or life event or something that's like kind of catapulted them to start right and then Um, once they start to really dive in and get deeper into like the roots of the practice do you find that they start to discover why they're really there yeah 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 absolutely yeah I feel the same way I feel the same way how would you describe your meditation practice currently is there any particular style that you that you lean to or what does that look like? Yeah. So what's interesting is my meditation practice changed a lot. I used to do Buddhist style meditation, like Mm -hmm. seated quiet meditation. Um, And Ashtanga really is not, doesn't prefer Mm -hmm. seated meditation. Um, We kind of see the practice as a moving meditation because you're so cued into your breathing that the breathing itself and the counting of each movement starts mm. to become a mudra within itself. Um, that said, I also practice Japa meditation, which my teacher um, teaches. It's like a, mm-hmm. a Vedic Sanskrit chanting. And I found it to be really helpful. So there's one chant mm-hmm. that led, or you could do any of them, but it's helpful for me to have like a line that I repeat mm. in my head over and over again. So Whereas like, I feel like Buddhist meditation will try to get you to just Mm -hmm. remove all your thoughts completely, Mm -hmm. which is sometimes hard to do versus Japa meditation is like, okay, let's replace all of your crazy erratic thoughts with just this Mm -hmm. mantra that you repeat over and over again. And you can do that with beads or you can just do it in your head over and over again. And I find it really helpful, especially if I'm having like anxiety or I can see my thoughts going in like a spiraling like negative kind of direction like oh mm-hmm. no like what am I gonna do mm-hmm. you know I'm starting to freak out and then I can kind of go back to this mantra and just start repeating it in my head and I feel like just that redirects my attention um and kind of calms those anxious thoughts so that's kind of what I've been doing mm-hmm. mostly lately and that's no I I love Joppa and I remember yeah. when the first time that you know we were gifted our you know our beads and the first time that we actually did a Japa practice together as a group, um, during yoga teacher training. And even though that was almost eight years ago now, that experience was really, really beautiful. It was a very collective meditation experience that I never really had before. My practice today, I would say does, I pick up my Japa meditation practice, much like you said, when I'm in a space where I'm like, I'm not able to sit in Vipassana for an hour or two hours today. I don't have that amount of mental control today. I need a mantra. I need something to kind of guide me through to get to that space where 
going directly into Vipassana on other days is like, oh, sure, no problem, second nature. But I also noticed that if I'm going to do mm-hmm. like a Vipassana Buddhist style meditation, that I, I need to do that as soon as I wake up. Because if I try to do it in the middle of the day, I've got way mm-hmm. too many things going on inside my brain to just stop everything and just clear, clear, clear. So what I yeah. like is that there's so there's benefits to each practice and there's benefits to each style. And I think that what my intention is as a teacher is to show my students and my clients I work with individually that these are the types of things that I'm comfortable sharing and teaching and, you know, demonstrating and giving them a choice to say, what would you like to do this week? Where would you like to focus? Because I get a lot of people that are being introduced Mm -hmm. to practices like meditation and practices like yoga for the very first time. And meditation is typically my foundational piece. That's what I love to teach first and drawing a student's awareness Mm -hmm. to the ways that they work together. Much like you said, when you're moving even through the sequences in Ashtanga, you're moving with the breath. So there's still a flow and there's still a rhythm that happens there that even though the body is physically moving, the mind still gives a chance to harness all of its attention on the breath. And I love that there's that, that opportunity there because I know that seated meditation and Vipassana complete silence meditation is not for everybody. And I would love to be able to let people know like, Hey, there's something else. Why don't we try this? Why don't we try this other option so that they don't feel Mm -hmm. like, well, you know what, if I can't do that one thing, then that means that yoga meditation aren't for me at all. You know? So I love that there's so many, that there's a lot of variety for people to, to find what speaks to them and to hopefully find something that really feels almost natural, you know, for them. And even if it's a new practice that they're adding into their life, it doesn't feel like this really uncomfortable, awkward thing that just doesn't fit. It feels like, oh, you know what? I never thought about that. And now that makes sense. So I can go ahead and take that on and make it mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And it's even like, I feel like, you know, a lot of times with beginners, and this is with anything, it's not just yoga, but you know, people I feel like get yeah. discouraged on themselves pretty easily and will kind of see their limitations the first for the first time and be like wow like I I you know because I, mm-hmm. I literally had a student talk to me about this this morning like wow you know I just don't mm. even know if I should keep trying and that just breaks my heart when I hear that because there's so many different like you're saying there's so many different like modifications or so many different ways to practice yoga and I never want anyone to feel like that because this particular style didn't work for me or Mm -hmm. this particular, you know, I can't do this move yet, you know, that all is lost and I'll never be able to do it. But I mean, but it's, but it's common, you know, and especially when we get dogmatic, like I know Ashtanga can be like very dogmatic because there's a lot of structure to it, which I love, but it can be for some people who are new, like they'll Mm. see it and just kind of be kind of back up a little bit, you know, because there's not so much leeway. And I think trying Mm. to bring that, personal element to people and say you know this is the structure but also Mm -hmm. realizing that we're people right you know right we're teaching people exactly (laughs) (laughs) and so I think trying to find some at least that's something Mm -hmm. that I struggle with and I'm learning as a new teacher for Ashtanga at least is how to maintain that structure and the integrity of the system but also 
give that space for people to be themselves and to accept their limitations or wherever mm-hmm. they're starting at, mm-hmm. you know? I'll never get it. I'll never get it. And then I should just like give up and never come to class again, you know? And it's like, no, we definitely, I think yeah. that's probably challenging for, that's probably challenging for a lot of new teachers. I would say when you're learning, you're learning how yeah. to now convey, I'm... you know, you're learning how to convey like these very, I mean, sacred practices and you'd want to honor the lineage of these practices as you're presenting them to to new people but also wanting to make it personal you know to personalize it in a sense and I know with Ashtanga like you said because it's um because it's dogmatic because it's very repetitive because it's very it's clear like anyone who's ever walked into an Ashtanga studio whether it's in California Atlanta Canada wherever they're going to see the same sequence in every single place. But I think even still they have their favorite teachers, Mm -hmm. you know, they want to go to Christina's class because maybe she plays really cool music or they want to go to Tom's class because he tells jokes on occasion or whatever. How are you finding the way that works best for you to be able to Mm -hmm. put your personal touch on your practice as a teacher? That is such a good question. It's really learning to be myself. And I've learned Mm. a lot. Like I can regurgitate, you know, I have a pretty good memory and filtering yeah. what I've learned in like I didn't wake up I wasn't born able to do any of this right so kind of like mm-hmm. even watching other people you know or you know I yeah. think just making it very personal is what is how do I say this sometimes especially as a teacher I don't know if you can relate to this but like let's say you're demonstrating <laughs> a posture you don't want to fall when you're teaching. I think there's an element of that. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like you also have to show some level of vulnerability. Like I'm competent. Yes, I can do this. But it's okay if I fall. And it's also okay if you fall. And I think as a beginning teacher, I think I'm kind of in right. that space of like, where do I show strength? And where do I show vulnerability? Giving that space, I think, helps the students feel more comfortable as opposed to feeling like they have to be super right. When you're teaching, when you're in front of the class and you're the one that everyone's following, the last thing you want is to is to mess up, you know, but then also within the messing up is is you being an example to the students that says, yeah, sometimes you're going to fall. Sometimes you're going to mess up. Sometimes you're going to have to try this two or three or four or five or ten times before it feels like, oh, I got this. And then you might even get to a place where you feel completely confident and secure going through these sequences over and over again. And then you just have that one day where you're a little off, you know, but being able to even say to yourself on those days, I'm so, I'm so worthy. I'm so worthy. I'm still, I'm still okay. Even if I didn't do it perfectly, I'm still okay. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're going to switch gears just a little bit. And this is a part of the podcast where I like to give you an opportunity to tell a little, a little bit more about yourself. And it's called Complete the Sentence. So I'm going to give you a couple of sentence prompts and you can complete them however you'd like. Take up as much or as little space as feels comfortable for you. The first one is I am happiest when. Ooh, okay. I am happiest when ooh, I just mm. finished practicing whole primary series and I'm laying down in um, Sukhasana. That's probably I the love best it. I love ever. it. <laughs> I know I've made an impact when 
I know I've made an impact when someone tells me that I'm yeah. a positive influence in their yeah. life in some way. I want my legacy to be just, you know, it's funny. Like I posted some pictures of like black people doing yoga, um, like old photos for black history month, like my legacy. I would want something like that where it's like, did you know that in, you know, 2020 that black people were doing yoga in Atlanta? Like, I want it to be that way. Um, I want to, you know, inspire more people to mm -hmm. learn, not just Ashtanga. Like, I don't care if you learn Ashtanga again or whatever. But I do feel like Black people in particular need some level of empowerment right now. And I think we've been looking for leadership and other out external kind of forces to help us. I think what it comes down to for me is just that personal empowerment. And I think yoga is a tool to do that. And so if my legacy can be that more Black people just do yoga, that's a win mm, for me. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And the last one is, I showed myself love today by? Oh, I showed myself love today by mm. being patient with myself. That's good. That's a and good just one. Accepting myself. That's a good one. So the last thing I like to do on the podcast is um, offer just a, a parting message. I use this uh, Oracle deck called the Oracle of E and it's a really fun, lighthearted deck. It has a number of, it has 52 cards in the deck. And so what I'd like you to do is just pick a number between one and 52. 30, 33. I yeah, that's a good number. 33. Okay. So the message is open your presence. Mm -hmm. Ever seen a time-lapse film of a flower blooming, its petals opening wide? That's your new role model. Visualize yourself opening your arms wide, embracing all the prosperity and abundance that's flowing your way. Receive, 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 and then pass it on. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. Well, this you. has been a pleasure, Christina. Thank you for the time and for the patience working with our little tech difficulties with this app here today. Thank you for sharing your journey, what led you to this beautiful practice. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and your knowledge about what exactly a new person can expect when they're walking into an Ashtanga practice and also coming up with some creative ways for people to learn that there's a way that you can start this just from the comfort of your own home. And I, I see the work you're doing and I look forward to someday our paths being able to cross in real life. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity. I noticed on your Instagram that you're yes. a part of an up and coming ABCs of Ashtanga a special event happening in April. What does that look like? What's that going to, what's that going to be? So we're doing an Ashtanga ABCs yoga challenge. It's a 30-day challenge to build a daily yoga practice. It's April 1st through April 30th. Every day of the week, we're offering up a different yoga pose from the primary series. It's beginner-friendly. And we're just asking people to, um, to post their journey, you know, especially for people who are, you know, stuck at home right now. And for anyone who wanted to start a practice, we felt like this would be a really great time to offer this. So um, you can follow me online at Christina Mills Yoga. My program is Ashtanga Yoga Marietta. You can find them both on Instagram. 
And we'll be doing this for a whole month of April. We have photos of each pose as well Yay. as videos. And what's exciting is that if it's for the month of April, how many poses are in the repetitive sequence of Ashtanga, give or take? Okay. I don't even know exactly how many. It's more than 25. It's more than the month. So we've actually cut out a okay. lot of it just to keep kind of the... A little crazy. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But what, what, crazy, what's cool so. is that if somebody was like, yeah. hey, I'm thinking about starting a practice. I don't know where to begin. Participating in the, the, the ABCs of Ashtanga challenge over the next 30 days starting what as soon as what is that like next Wednesday I think is the first um that this would be a great way for them to start right at home and then plus they get to kind of build yeah. a little bit of community mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. anybody else who is also participating in the challenge so that's exciting that's exciting you're so welcome all right my dear thank you so much for your time thank I really you. appreciate you thank you for saying yes to my random invitation that showed up in your inbox. <laughs> and I appreciate you for just sharing your energy and your joy with me today. It really means a lot. Thank you. It's time to wrap this up. And I just want to say very sincerely, thank you. You have your choice of thousands of different podcasts that you could be listening to each day. And I appreciate you for choosing this to be one of them. Right now, in this moment, I see the light, I see the love, the wisdom, the beauty, the prosperity, the creativity, and the pure joy that shines within each of you, and I bow humbly before your divinity. Namaste.